Talking about financial issues with aging parents isn't always easy. It's vital to avoid or at least lessen any financial and emotional pain. It can even cut back on the amount of time a loved one has to spend handling these matters. On this episode of Executor Help, Cameron Huddleston, author of Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents About Their Finances. Welcome to the Executor Help Podcast, the show dedicated to help you settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, visit davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Eady. Okay, with me today is Cameron Huddleston. Am I uh, saying your name correctly, Cameron? Yes, you are. Okay, well then, I'm uh, fortunate and happy to have you here on Executive Help Podcast. Uh, Cameron is the award-winning journalist. She's a speaker. She's a family finance expert. But more importantly, she is the she is the author of Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents About Their Finance. So Cameron, thanks for being here. Um, let's start talking about conversations. In my case, I when it came to a conversation with my parents, that's probably where we had we didn't have a conversation with my parents. And that's where I ended up having those uh, seven years, 10 court appearances of $50,000 and being in court because they didn't have the conversations with us of you know how they wanted the estate to go. And I didn't have the conversation with them for them to tell us what they wanted um, to take place. How did you come about to come up with the idea that, you know, that we need to have these conversations with our parents? Uh, it was during a podcast, actually. I was being, yes, I was being interviewed by um, Experian, the credit bureau. Right. They have a podcast. And um, we were talking about an article that I had written, written, and it was related to my mother who had Alzheimer's disease. And um, I ended up managing her finances for several years. And so, you know, we, we would just you know, during this interview, we were talking mainly about that and about how I had to get involved with their finances. And there were two hosts, um, two men. One was a little younger than I am. One was a little older. And both of them said, you know, we should probably talk to our parents. But like, you know, one said, oh, I should talk to my parents about, you know, what sort of planning they've done. The other host was like, yeah, I, I probably should talk to my parents about my finances. And then after we finished recording, um the the person who was there in the room recording the podcast came up to me there was someone else in the room and they're like you know we should be talking to the, our parent parents you know asking them about their finances what do we need to know what sort of plans do they have for long-term care and i was like wow everyone in this room with me just told me that they see that they need to have a conversation with their parents about their parents finances and maybe I should be doing something to help people have this conversation because in all honesty, I did not have conversations with my mom about her finances before she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Um, I just didn't realize the importance of it until she was showing signs of memory loss and I had to get involved. And then at that point I had to scramble, you know, I had to scramble to get her in to meet with an attorney to update her legal documents. I had to play detective, to figure out the details of her finances. And that could have been avoided if I had simply taken the time to sit down with her and to say, mom, 
you know, let's, let's talk about your finances. Let's talk about long-term care. What sort of care would you want if you ever needed it? Um, but I didn't. And so I wanted to help other people have these conversations and realize the importance of them. Tell me a little bit about your mom, what kind of person she was. What do you think are some of the traits that you've inherited from her that, that made you the, the, the woman that you are today? And when did you feel that you saw that the person that you knew and loved was starting to change, that you needed to have those conversations? So, um, well, I'll just explain a couple of other things too. So my parents had gotten divorced while I was in college. And so, and then my father actually passed away at the age of 61. And he was an attorney and in a second marriage, but yet he did not have a will, which is another reason I wrote my book. So my dad died without a will in a second marriage. And that was fun. Not nearly, not nearly as bad as your situation. It was really like nothing compared to that. Um, and so, you know, when my mother started showing sign of memory loss, I knew I was going to have to be the one to help her. She, uh, and I'm speaking in past tense because my mother passed away last January. She was fun and fun loving. She was the, you know, life of the party. She had lots of friends. She was very outgoing. She was incredibly creative and artistically talented. She was kind to everyone. And in my house, my, well, my parents were together and I was growing up, you know, my father would always tell us, don't talk about money. You know, it's, it's not polite to talk about money. My mom, I don't think she felt the same way. It's not that she would sit us down and teach us lessons about money, but by watching her, I could see how she was handling money because she was a stay-at-home mom, but she was the one who was in charge of buying the groceries and buying our clothes, and we would be with her, and I would watch her um, coupons to go to the grocery store, and she was really responsible with her money. And gosh, I'm so grateful to this day how responsible she was with her money because there was money there to pay for her care. Um, and I mean, if she had been a, you know, spendthrift and just like was blowing money left and right, then I would not have been able to pay for professional care for her. And that would have dramatically affected my own life. I've got three kids of my own. Um, you know, so I think I learned from my mom really the value of being frugal and you know not not spending my money left and right just by watching her and the value of being kind to people and helping people and i mean i I do i wrote this book because i want to help people it's not like it's a topic that are going to make it's going to make people rush out to the bookstore i didn't write this because i thought it was going to be a bestseller and it was going to make me rich i wanted to help people realize that is so important to have these conversations so that you don't end up in these horrible situations like your family ended up in. And so you don't find yourself having to care for a parent and not having the legal right to manage their finances for them and having to go to court to prove that they're no longer competent. It's just, I know the conversations are awkward, but really the consequences of not talking to your parents can be so much worse. Yeah, that and that's the, the problem is that the topic like my book and also your book it's not a sexy topic no one wants to have these conversations and it only comes up when an unexpected emergency comes comes about such as your mom having uh you know alzheimer's and, and having to you know um the care to be taken 
to take place. It's it's they're not sexy topics, but it's we as as adult children, we can't look away um, because it's it's going to happen, and at some point we have to become the parent of our parents. So in your case, um, when did you know it was time to have that conversation with your mom? Was there a, a pretty long a, a, a long time frame before you know you noticed that there was changes? But was there a time where you say you know we need to have this conversation? Um, because you know it's it's going to get worse before it get uh, for too long. Well, I missed a really good opportunity to have a conversation with her because um, I I'm from Kentucky and my mom was living in Kentucky and I was living in, in Washington D.C. for many years. And when my husband and I moved back to Kentucky, I, I had a conversation shortly after I moved back with my mom about looking into long term care insurance um, in the U.S. You know, if uh, our our Medicare system does not pay for long term care for older adults, and so typically you end up having to pay out of pocket. Medicaid will pay for care, certain types of care for very low income people. And so I knew if she needed care, she would need insurance coverage to pay for it. And so she took my advice and looked into it, but she had another pre existing condition that made her too high risk, and so she couldn't qualify for it. And I could have used that opportunity to have a conversation then. But I didn't. And a few years and why, after that, and why didn't you? Why do you think? I just, you know, I, I don't know. It just I, it just didn't even dawn on me to say, okay, I should sit down with her and start planning this out. It just, I can't, I can't even put a finger on the reason why I didn't. It's just something I didn't realize that I needed to do. Right. And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, I look back now and I'm like, oh, I should have done that, but I didn't. And so a few years later, she uh that pre-existing condition that she had that prevented her from getting long-term care insurance it was an acoustic neuroma it's a benign tumor that was behind one of her ears and she had hearing loss in that ear and so initially i was chalking up her memory loss to hearing loss because i would ask her a question you know and maybe she I'd have to repeat it or, you know, she would ask me questions and then I'd answer her and then she'd ask me again and I would think, oh, maybe she just didn't hear my answer. But then I was at her house one night and she asked to show me this new bench she had bought for her porch. We went outside to look at the bench, we came back inside and we continued talking. And then a few minutes later, she said, do you want to see my new bench? And my heart just sank. This, In my mind, I knew that this was not an issue of hearing loss. She had clearly forgotten that we had just gone outside and looked at this bench. And now she was asking me again to go see it. And this wave of panic rushed over me. Um, but the issue was that I knew I started bringing up the topic of finances that I was going to have to point out the reason why I wanted to have the conversation. And the reason was that I could see she was starting to forget things. And I was afraid of having to be the one to tell her that I thought she was experiencing memory loss. Like the idea of talking to her about financial issues didn't scare me, but the idea of telling her that we need to talk about her finances because I thought she might have memory loss. That's what scared me. I didn't, I just, I didn't want to have to tell her that. And so I kind of stalled and um, I reached out to her doctor actually 
I was like, please, the next time my mom is there, can you encourage her to go get tested for Alzheimer's? And he did, and she was tested. And either the doctor or the neurologist she met with didn't do a good job of examining her and testing her, or she lied because she said, there's nothing wrong. And I knew that wasn't true. Unfortunately, another one of her friends got involved and encouraged her to go see another neurologist. And I went with her that time. And the neurologist said, like, you know, did a battery of tests and said, you have Alzheimer's disease. And I said to my mom, look, we need to get you in to meet with an attorney to update all of your legal documents. And you must be mentally competent to sign a will, a power of attorney, a healthcare power of attorney. But, and this is what estate planning attorneys have told me in the United States on many occasions, just because there is some memory loss, just because there has been a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease, that does not mean that you are no longer competent. My mom was still in the early stage of Alzheimer's disease. She knew who I was. She still knew who, were the, who the president of the United States was. And so when the attorney sat down with her and asked her if she understood what she was signing, if, you know, to, to get a sense of whether she was still competent, the attorney determined that she was, and my mother named both my sister and me her powers of attorney so we could make financial decisions for her and named us her healthcare surrogates to make medical decisions for her and uh, updated her will too. And that was kind of what started things because the attorney was also like, well, you should go to the bank and let them know that you have been named your mom's power of attorney. So we went together and certainly it was helpful having that third party that unbiased third party making that suggestion to us here's an attorney saying you guys should go to the bank together so we went to the bank and let the bank know that i was power of attorney and i was fortunate because my mother was not technologically savvy did not have an online bank account so i was able to set up an online account for her create the username and password and monitor her account just you know initially like watching from behind the scenes keeping an eye on her and then i got more and more involved over time as her ability to manage her finances declined to the point where i took over her finances entirely when she moved in with me and then when we had to move her into a memory care facility So it, she, she wasn't reluctant to have this help, having you there and also your sister getting involved to have that conversation and have you guys, um, you know, oversee things because she she knew that there was going to be some changes coming. So she wasn't reluctant. There wasn't any um, fighting along the way. There wasn't any. Um... No, she was not. She was certainly not reluctant to meeting with the attorney, but I was very careful and it was me who managed everything because my sister, even though she went with us to that meeting with the attorney, she lives several states away. And so I was the one who was handling everything. Um, I was very careful not to just come in and take over. I wanted to allow my mom to maintain her independence for as long as possible. And I knew if I pushed too hard, she might push back. And she's, she's, she was not a confrontational person, but when you have dementia, it changes things I and mean, people can become very suspicious, paranoid, and, you know, they might look at your offers of help, you know, and think, well, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to steal from me? And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to push too hard and I didn't want to get involved with things that I didn't need to be involved with 
before I really had to. And so I eased my way in. Maybe if I had pushed harder and if I had said, I'm just going to come in and take over, then I would have met with more met with more resistance. And I tell people this, you know, don't don't go in and take over, <laughs> you know, ease your way in, you know, get involved with the tasks that your parent needs the most help with, offer support. Don't don't, you know, don't be critical. Don't tell your parents what they're doing wrong. Yeah, that that was I can relate to it because my father had a dementia and, you know, we we, we had to have an intervention with him. Um, and, you know, he was saying some, you know, things that weren't weren't right. And he was you know accusing my mom of things. And it came to the point where one night he threatened the life of her and I had to make the decision. Um, no, we, we need to get you into the hospital. But, you know, f- to his dying day, he always held me responsible for the reason why he was in the hospital. Um, you know, I'd go visit him and he'd yell and scream at me. And, you know, but I knew I, I said, I'm doing this to keep you and mom safe. But he could never, you know, accept that. And, you know, it hurt. But I knew I was doing the right thing because I couldn't have lived with myself if I had got up the next day you know, and, and something would have happened to say, oh, I should have done something. So it's, it's, it comes a point where you're going to have to put aside and not listen to the tears and, you know, the, you know, the crying that they may, may have um, and do what's, what's best for them. So when it comes to adult children, having that conversation with, with the parents, based on, you know, your research and, and, and the book, why do you think that parents have trouble talking to their adult children about to their finances? So there are a variety of reasons. First of all, they might simply think that money is a taboo topic, like my dad did. And they might have been raised in a household where their parents told them not to talk about money. And they're just kind of passing along that same idea to their children. And so it's a taboo topic. They might be ashamed about their finances because they haven't managed their money well and they don't want to admit this to their children. Uh, Talking about finances can bring up the issue of aging and death. And a lot of people don't want to face the fact that they are going to get older and they are going to die. And so for all these reasons, your parents might be reluctant to have this conversation. And I think it's important to identify the reason why they might be reluctant if you think they're going to be reluctant. There are plenty of parents out there who truly are more than willing to have these conversations with their children. There are some though who are going to be reluctant. There are some who might never want to have this conversation. But if you think your parents might be reluctant, try to think about the reasons why. You know, is it because they think money is a taboo topic? Are they afraid to discuss death and aging? Do they not like the idea of a role reversal? You know, do they, are they embarrassed because they haven't handled their money well? And then if you can pinpoint that, then you can figure out what sort of approach you want to use to start the conversation that doesn't touch on that sensitive issue for them. Right. But say that you're, uh, there's more than one child and, you know, maybe one is um, going to be a little bit more thinking about the future of their parents. And then there could be other one who's only looking at their parents as an inheritance or they're only thinking of the the money part. Um, It's not uncommon. Um, You know, you know, people want to leave a legacy and they want to leave something behind. 
whereas the beneficiaries only see an inheritance. And they might not want to, you know, why do we have to put them in, in a uh, such an expensive retirement home? And why do we, because we're now, now we're eating into the inheritance. How, how do you, it, it's one conversation that you're going to have with the parents, but then how do you kind of quash, uh, uh, quell the, uh, quash the, the problems that you might have with siblings so that everybody's on the same page to only think about the well-being of the parents? Well, it's actually important to have a conversation with your siblings, if you have any, before you talk to your parents so that you can all get on the same page. Call a family and suppose, meeting. And suppose you can't. Okay. <laughs> I would say first attempt to get all of you into the same room or all of you onto the same phone call or all of you onto the same whatever, Zoom <laughs> meeting. See if you can. And at least let them know, hey, I think we need to have a conversation with mom and dad about their finances so we can get a general idea of how they're doing so that we can know whether they're counting on us for support and, you know, letting your siblings know the reason why this is important to talk to your parents and why it's important for all of you to be talking so that all of you can get on the same page and agree that what's most important here is doing what's best for mom and dad, you know, and it's okay to acknowledge, hey, we might all have different ideas about the roles we're going to play in their lives. We might have different ideas about the type of care mom and dad should get if they ever need care. But we have to remember that we have to be thinking about mom and dad's best interests. So what we might want might not be what they want, but we have to respect what they want. And so it's important to kind of put that out there and to you know, let your siblings have their say and listen and, you know, kind of go around the room and talk. And then, but then again, bring it back to, well, remember, we need to do what's best for mom and dad, you know, and also discuss, you know, what sort of roles each of you is willing to play. And if you've got a sibling who is saying, well, I'm not interested in helping out. Okay, that's fine. I get it. Maybe you didn't have a great relationship with mom and dad, but we just want to let you know that we're going to be talking to them. And if you want updates, we can give you updates. If you're not interested, then that's okay. We won't bother you with it. But just to start off on the right foot so that you avoid suspicion down the road. If you can all agree, that's great. Then you can all kind of come up with that plan that you can return to when there is an emergency and you're not scrambling to figure out what to do. And if that sibling who didn't want to get involved comes back and suddenly wants to get involved, you can always say, well, okay, remember we did have that conversation and you know we agreed on the roles that we were going to play and you didn't want to be involved and i see that you want to be involved now this is how we've been handling things so far and and you can it's okay to say to your sibling you know your your brother and i have been doing this and we've divided these roles equally among us you want to be involved well here's what you can do to help i think if they have not been willing to offer support from the get-go then you don't necessarily have to say what do you want to do to help you can say here's what you can do to help because if you've got a sibling who's going to perhaps come in and sabotage things you, know, you don't want to let that happen and if you if you do have a sibling who has a criminal record who who you know will sabotage the conversation with your parents who is you think might take advantage of your parents financially who has serious mental health issues, then if you know that getting that sibling involved is only going to make things worse, 
then that would be the one situation where I would say you might not necessarily want to include that sibling in the conversation. You know, perhaps you can talk to your parents, report back to them. Hey, we had a conversation with mom and dad. Fortunately, they have their will and their power of attorney and their, you know, living will and all these documents drafted and they're going to do okay in, in a conversation. Just kind of a brief update, but it is important to try to get on the same page with your siblings before you talk to your parents. I don't want to be the I don't want to be devil's advocate, but that's okay. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. Well, I'm gonna come at I'm gonna come at the angle that the siblings don't get along. And who do you think you are, Cameron? Just because you're the oldest, who made you the boss of everybody? You know, and as kids, we didn't get along. And now as adults, that childhood disagreements that I didn't like you then, I don't like you now. And who are you to say what's going to happen with mom and dad? So where are we at? Where are we going to go with this? So you're going to acknowledge your siblings' concerns. That you don't you're like me going, either. You're not going to you're not going to start an argument because yeah. the goal here isn't to prove that you're right and your sibling is wrong. Your goal here is to help make sure you know what your parents' wishes are and you have a general understanding of what their finances are. So if they're going to say, who are you to take charge? Say, you know, I hear you. And I know that growing up, maybe we had a strained relationship. And I don't want you to think that I am trying to take charge. That is not my goal here. I just see that there is a need for us to have a conversation with our parents and I would love to get your input on how you think we can go about doing it. So it's not a matter, it doesn't, it should not end up in a shouting match. No, you're wrong. I'm not trying to take charge. You don't want to do that. You want your sibling to feel heard. Because if you've got it, if you've got this sibling rivalry issue going on and you've got a sibling who doesn't feel heard, then that's when the fighting's gonna start. So you need to say, okay, I hear you. And I want you to know that I'm not trying to take charge here. I'm just trying to work with you so that we can talk to mom and dad together. Because basically at the end of the day, it's not about your issues with your siblings. It's about your parents. Exactly. And I assume um, that that you're working towards and what should be the end goal, uh, which is my question. What is the end goal of, of the conversations that you're having with the parents? What do you, what do you want to achieve? So at the least you want to find out, do they have estate planning documents? Do they have a will that spells out who gets what when they die or a trust? And, and suppose they don't. So you want to encourage them to get one. And they might be like, well, why do I need a will? You guys can just divide up things evenly. Well, in the United States, state law is going to determine how your assets are divided. And just so like in Canada. Yeah. So you let your parents know, well, that would be great if we could divide things up evenly, but sometimes that doesn't always work out that way. If there is no will, then a judge in state law will determine who gets what. So if you want to have any say, put it in writing. It's as simple as that. Put it in writing. And mom and dad, we don't need to know who's getting what. We just need to know that you have the document and where we can find it. So do they have the will? Encourage them to get the will. Do they have a financial power of attorney, someone they have named to make financial decisions for them if they can't? In the U.S., you cannot 
access mom and dad's bank account unless you've been named power of attorney. You cannot get on the phone with their credit card companies. You cannot get on the phone with their insurance companies. If mom and dad have to go to the hospital for an emergency, I can tell you the first question you will be asked, are you power of attorney? Are you healthcare power of attorney? And again, they also have to have a healthcare power of attorney or a healthcare yeah. surrogate. And so you want to make sure they have all these documents in place. And then from there, you can start asking other questions. You know, for example, you know, mom and dad, if something were to happen and you were in the hospital, how could I make sure your bills got paid? I want, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, the rent's still being paid or the electric bill is being paid. How would I go about this? Are the bills being paid by a check or are they set up to be paid automatically? Find out how the bills are paid. This is part of emergency planning. You know, and maybe if they're paying it by check, you could help them set up automatic payments for their bills. Just let them know this is going to make your life a whole lot easier. And then you want to find out even more if you can. Like you're, this is not a conversation that happens in one day. This is going to be a conversation, a series of conversations. And so do they have the estate planning documents? How do they pay their bills? Where do they bank? What are their sources of income? What sort of insurance policies do they have? Do they have debt? You don't necessarily have to know how much debt they have, but you know, are they still paying a mortgage on the house? The more information you can get, the better. And I know that a lot of people are reluctant to share this sort of information with anyone, even their spouses sometimes. So what you can do is ask your parents to write it down for you instead. This allows them to maintain control. You don't have to tell me this. Make a list of all your financial accounts. Make a list of all the assets you have and where the important legal documents are stored. Tell me where I can find this list and tell me under what conditions I can access it. And this allows them to maintain that control, but you know that there is that information there for you when you need it. And so if they're not willing to tell you, ask them to write it down. When would you say is the best time to start the conversation or start the process? Because, you know, because the your parents will say, you know, you don't need to know all this. We we all get along. Don't worry about it. It's, it's all going to work out in, in the end. When, when's the best time to have start this conversation or have any don't conversation? Wait. Sorry? Don't, don't wait. People are like, oh, should you wait till your parents are in their 60s and their 70s? Um, surely they don't need a power of attorney yet. Well, really all adults, you know, 18 and older need to have a power of attorney, but no, do it while your parents are still really young and health, relatively young and healthy. You don't want to wait for a health emergency and then discover that those legal documents aren't in place. I mean, my mother was diagnosed at 65 with Alzheimer's disease. I was 35. My dad was 61. When he died, I was 28. So if you are young and just starting out, actually, it's a great opportunity to talk to your parents because you can go to them for advice, financial advice. Hey, I just started a new job. I just got married. Does that mean I need to have life insurance? Do I need to have a will? And their answers are going to give you clues about what sort of financial planning they've done. You know, if you are in your 30s and you're starting a family, again, you can go to your parents and ask for advice. Hey, I have kids. Do I need life insurance now? Or you know, maybe even if you're in your 40s and your parents are in your in their 60s and you haven't had the conversation yet, you probably have some friends now who have stories that they're telling you because I am in my 40s and this is all that everyone talks about, their parents and what's going on with their parents. And so maybe you have a colleague or a friend who had a parent who died without a will or 
a, a colleague who had to stop working to care for a parent. So you can use that story as a jumping off point to have these conversations, but they need to happen right away. Don't wait, don't wait for the emergency. Don't wait for the perfect time, you know, just kind of find a natural way to start the conversation using that story, asking for advice, using current events. I mean, we've been in a pandemic and we still uh, are. And that was going to be my next question is, do you see, do you see that as an opening to have uh, that, the conversation because of the pandemic or people are, for some reason, they're thinking about uh, maybe making end of life decisions and maybe they haven't done anything. And this could be an opening to have that com conversation. It is a great way to start the conversation because it's natural. And maybe you've even done some financial planning as a result of the pandemic. Maybe you got a will, maybe you got life insurance, because I know there's been a huge uptick in the U.S. of the number of people who've been buying life insurance and getting wills since the start of the pandemic. So maybe if you've done something along those lines, you can share it with your parents. You know, the pandemic got me really scared and I realized I need a life insurance policy to protect my spouse and my children. Do you guys happen to have a life insurance policy? And they might not, you know, because they're older and they might, you know, they don't have children to support anymore, but it's a way to start the conversation. Or again, using that what if question, you know, what if something were to happen and you were in the hospital? How, how can I make sure the bills are paid? Or I, what are your wishes? You know, what, if something were to happen to you, what are your wishes? Because I wanna be able to honor those wishes. Right. My final question to, to you is someone's going to pick up your book. What are they going to uh, learn? What, 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 over and above the great conversation we had here today, what else would they learn from your, from your book and how it's going to help them? So I have a variety of conversation starter ideas that you can use. I've got a whole chapter on talking to siblings. I've got, um, you know, tips about some of the harder conversations like the estate planning documents, long-term care, how to talk to your parents about scams and scammers, what to do if you are meeting with resistance from your parents. And then I finally tell people in the last chapter, pay it forward, have these conversations with your kids. Wow. Cameron, I want to thank you today for being on the podcast. If people want to get in touch with you or they want to find your book, how can they get in touch? find you, read your book, so all of that. The best, <laughs> the best way is to go to CameronHuddleston.com. And if you want to contact me directly, there's a way to do that on my website. There are even links on my website to purchase the book. It's on Amazon and all the other places where books are sold. And, and so it's also an audio book as well, isn't it? It's, Pardon it's, me? It's an audio book as well, isn't it? It is an audio book as well. And it's not me narrating it. My publisher, uh, Hired a professional. You have a great career. voice. Why wouldn't you? I don't know. I wish they had asked me to do it because I've had people say, oh, I was expecting to hear your voice and it was someone else. And so, oh, well. Either way, it may not be your voice, but it's it's your words and your information that's out there. And that person is just uh, along for the ride. She's just reading your words. So it's, it's almost <laughs> like having a conversation with you, I would say. Exactly. Cameron Huddleston, I want to thank you for being here on the Executor Help podcast, and I wish you all the best. And hopefully we'll have you back on down the road to talk a little bit more about how to talk to our parents. So I thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Executor Help podcast. 
For more details, visit davidedy.com or follow David on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. The links are in the show notes.